With every victory, with every win, with every successful mission, there's usually a hero. There's usually a hero, or sometimes there's even heroes. And we are in a brand new series, begins today, called Hidden Figures. And we're going to be taking a look, not at the heroes, but at those who are a little more behind the scenes. The heroes are the ones that, man, we know their stories, we know their names, we know what they accomplished, it's well documented, it's in history, we talk about it, they're interviewed, but we fail sometimes to really get to know those who play a critical role in the win or in the victory, but they're behind the scenes. Maybe they have, you know, a smaller personality, or maybe they had a smaller but yet important role in whatever it is. There's a lot of stories like that, but their lives and their contribution to the win, to the victory, to the successful mission are no less important. And my prayer and my hope for you is, is that over the course of these next four weeks that you would see from some of these characters in God's word, some of these hidden figures, that you would see yourself in them, or maybe you would see yourself in the surrounding story of what's going on with them, and that you and I, that we would be able to learn something from God's word, from these important, these significant, but maybe the unsung, unknown, maybe even sometimes unnamed hidden figures. That's my prayer for us as we embark on this great journey. Hey, I want to thank you guys so much for being here, for being in the house today. Thank you so much for those of you who are on our backstage patio. we got a good crowd out there, and I guess there now, which is awesome. So uh, glad to have you on the backstage patio, and thank you for those of you who are watching or listening online. Why don't we here in the house give it up for them on the backstage patio and online. Thank you guys so much for being a part. I make no, I'm not shamed about the fact and, you know, don't try to hide the fact that I love SpaceX and I love NASA. Uh, I grew up, part of my growing up was in Orlando, and so uh, for a few years, you know, as a kid, I got to watch the space shuttle. If you're, like, you know, younger, go Google it sometime, all right? You can figure it out on your own. So anyway, uh, I love that stuff, and I love what SpaceX is doing, and I follow them. And I don't know if you know this, but, like, right before 3 a.m. this morning, there was a, a SpaceX... Uh, capsule that had been up on uh, docked to the ISS, you know, the International Space Station uh, for the past about six months or so. And before, like right before three o'clock this morning, it splashed down right off the coast of Florida near Panama City Beach, like it's the 1960s and it's Apollo, right? Some of you get that reference. Uh, it's so cool. I love it. It is just like the coolest thing in the world. And, and these astronauts, I mean, Man, they're, they're heroes. Like what they go through to, to train and to, to learn, and they're going up there to, to complete all these science projects and to spacewalk outside of the ISS and repair things. I can't even repair my own house, and I'm on solid ground. So, like, they're, they're just amazing. They're amazing, amazing people. And today, after being there for 100 and, I think, 67 days, uh, these four astronauts, you may know their names. Uh, I know some of their names, uh, but there's a lot of people that really know their names. 
These four astronauts splashed down today in the Gulf of Mexico. Michael Hopkins, Victor Glover, uh, Suichi Noguchi, Shannon Walker. And they were in that little space pod that uh, I think it's called the Dragon Crew. And some of you are like, he knows way too much about this. Uh, yeah, I do. So anyway, so like they, they, they came down and those are the ones that are going to get the, all the attention. I mean, in the months leading up to this, by the way, you realize this is like big news and it doesn't even get really focused on a whole lot in the national media, but um, it, for the first time in 11 years, we're taking people up to space uh, you know, from American soil, and that hasn't happened since the uh, space shuttle days. And so there's a lot of interviews, there's a lot of publicity around these four astronauts and the two that went before and the four that just went up last week. We're doing this uh, three times over the last year again. And, and they, they were interviewed leading up to the launch uh, back six months ago, and they were interviewed while they were in the ISS space station. And, and they're going to be interviewed afterwards once they get home. They, they're the heroes they're the ones that everybody sees. But there are literally thousands of people that made that mission possible. There are people who we will never know their names. We'll never know their stories. We'll never know what they do. One of my favorite things about this, and I, I didn't see it because I wasn't up at 3 a.m. this morning, but um, I saw it when I woke up this morning, is I love it that like it splashes down in the ocean, and, and there, there's a, they call it a fast boat. I don't know if it's like faster than anything else, but a fast boat goes out there, and there's a guy or maybe a lady, I don't know, who gets dressed up like they're going diving in a special suit and they jump in the water and they climb up on top of the capsule. Now, mind you, 20 minutes earlier, the capsule was at 3,500 degrees, right? They climb, and in space, they climb up on this capsule to rig the capsule to be able to be pulled out of the water so the astronauts can exit that space capsule. And I love whoever it is who's the rigger. That's awesome. Right? That's so cool. Like, if, if, if you guys, like, one day I'm missing, you'll be like, yeah, Todd went and he was a rigger. He's a rigger for SpaceX now. That's what he's doing. That is so cool, man. I love that. I love that person, whoever that is. But do you know what their name is? No. You probably never will know what their name is. I'll never know what their name is. They probably will never be interviewed. But if the rigger doesn't do his or her job, you know what's happening right now? Hours later, that space capsule is still bobbing in the Gulf of Mexico. It's just sitting there, right, with four astronauts in there. Like, that person is a critical part of this mission. They're a critical part of the whole thing. But we never will know their name. And church, Christ follower, I want you to know today that there, there are, are some of you who you know in your job or in your school or in whatever it is in your home or in your marriage, you know what God has called you to do and you may think that it is so insignificant, but it is a huge part of expanding God's kingdom. It's a huge part, even though you may think it's small, of his redemptive story. You're a part of that. And that's what Hidden Figures is all about. And today, we're going to be focusing on one of my favorite characters from the story of Moses. We're going to focus on Moses' father-in-law, and his name 
is Jethro. Now, I'm not going to be mean today and ask by a raise of hands how many of you love your father-in-laws. I won't do that to you, okay? But Jethro and Moses, and the story is written in uh, Exodus 18. And so if you have your Bibles or devices, we're going to be in Exodus 2 briefly, and then we're going to skip over to Exodus 18 to focus on this one who communicated wisdom to Moses at a very critical moment in the story of Moses and the nation of Israel. Have you ever had anybody speak wisdom or advice in your life at just the right time? This past uh, week, I uh, I've been, haven't been playing golf because I've been coaching my son's soccer team, and we lost our playoff game, and we are done. And so now I'm trying to like find opportunities to play golf. And so Buddy invited me to play golf, and I'm a little rusty. And on the first hole, I got a bogey on a five on a par uh, par four, uh, which was fine. I'm good with that. But on the second hole, I hit two golf balls in the water, and I got an eight on a par four. It was embarrassing. And I'm playing with all these guys that are so much older than me, and they're just, like, killing it, and I'm embarrassed, right? And so my buddy, like, I didn't say anything unsolicited. He looks at me, and he goes, man, you're just trying to sweep it. You need to hit down on the ball. And I'm like, internally, he's right. Now, most of the time when people say something about my golf swing, I'm like, you don't tell me what, how to swing a golf club. I'll tell you how to swing a golf club. I know how to swing a golf club, but I just had an eight on a par four. So I listened to my buddy, and he was right. And the rest of the day was halfway decent and a lot of fun because he spoke up in that moment. And we're going to see here in this story, the story of a guy who speaks up into Moses' life. But I got to be honest with you, at the time, I don't think Moses realized he had a problem. See, sometimes in our lives, um, we have problems and we don't know what to do. So we ask for advice. Sometimes we have problems and we don't know what to do. And so we might have a group of people in our lives that we know and we can go to them and we can ask for their advice when we don't know what to do. And that's okay and that's good. That's a good thing that we have that. But when it becomes a problem is not when we have a problem in our lives and we know we don't know what to do. The real challenge comes is when we have a problem in our life and we don't know that we do have a problem. It's a blind spot. And we need to have people in our lives who will speak up into that blind spot or into that thing. We all need to have people in our lives that we trust enough to ask for wisdom. We all need people in our lives who we trust enough who we can ask for wisdom. But listen, I want you to hear today that we also all need people in our lives who we trust enough who will give us wisdom even when we don't ask. I mean, let's face it, sometimes unsolicited advice can be the most irritating thing in the world. Am I right? We're just, let's just be honest, right? Sometimes you're like, man, you got to be kidding me. You really brought that up? You're really trying to speak that truth, and we kind of bow up, and we get defensive. But the truth is, is that we all need people in our lives. Maybe a few people that we can go to to ask for advice when we're stuck and we know we have a problem. But we also need people in our lives who will speak into our lives that we trust enough. That might be a smaller group of people. 
When I'm speaking to um, young graduates or um, you know, people who are getting ready to launch into life, I'll say, man, before you get out into, the, you know, into the, the marketplace, before you get out there into your career, before you get out there into your marriage, into your life, establish a small group of people who you call a board of directors. People who you can go to to ask advice, but also people who would be willing to speak truth into your life if they see a blind spot in you. And by the way, men, if you're married, your wife needs to be your board of directors. She needs to be the chairman of your board of directors, all right? I'm just going to say that. Hopefully, Cynthia's listening right now, right? So we need to have people who will speak up in those critical moments in our lives. And we're going to see here with Jethro, one who does that. But I want you to notice that before he speaks up at this critical moment in Moses' life, I want you to look at the nature of the relationship. Exodus chapter 2, verses 16 through 22. Now the priest of Midian, that's Jethro, he had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and filled, uh, filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove these girls away. Bullies. Anyway, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. Well, when they came home, verse 18 says, when they came home to their father rule, that was another, that was one of uh, Jethro's other names, he said to them, how is it that you have come home so soon today? There's not too many fathers that will ask their daughters if, you know, why they've come home too soon. But uh, he does that, Rule does that, or Jethro does that. How is it that you've come home so soon today? And they said in verse 19, an Egyptian, they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hands of the shepherd and even drew water for us and watered the flock. And he said to his daughters, where is the guy? Why didn't you bring him home? If he's that nice of a guy, bring him home, right? Where is he? Why have you left the man? This is a good dad right here. This is a great dad. Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. Now, Moses, a lot of you know Moses. You know the story of Moses, right? We watched Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, and we know the story. We read about the prince of Egypt. He was, you know, uh, he was a Hebrew boy who was you know, placed in Egypt. God had his hand on him, put a, you know, a special anointing where he was an Egyptian, but he was actually a, a Jewish guy. And so Moses is, has this great calling from God to do great things for God. But the reason that he's in the wilderness in the first place right here is he sees an Egyptian kill someone who's a Hebrew, and he goes and he kills them. And so he's fleeing from the Egyptians. A Hebrew, Egyptian, fleeing from the Egyptians. It's kind of a crazy story. So he's out in the wilderness, and he finds himself out in the wilderness, and God changes his life out there in the wilderness as what we assume is a probably a young man in his 20s or 30s at the most. Now, that's the introduction to Jethro, his father-in-law, and that's how they became son-in-law and father-in-law. And a lot happens in between Exodus chapter 2 and what we're going to look at in a moment, Exodus chapter 18. And so you don't have to go watch the Ten Commandments movie. I'm going to fill you in on what happened. Here's what happened. Moses heard from God, from a burning bush. He dealt with a lack of confidence and insecurity in his life about his shortcomings. 
and he had a lot of shortcomings. He returns to Egypt to confront Pharaoh, but he's really nervous about doing it. He hears from God again. He deals with 10 plagues. He suddenly leaves Egypt with two and a half million of his other Jewish friends and family and is used by God to establish a meal called the Passover that we still celebrate today about God's deliverance. They follow God by pillars of cloud and fire. They cross the Red Sea again with two and a half million people. They receive manna from heaven. They receive water when they need it from a rock, and Moses, through God, obviously God, God uh, did the defending here, but they defended themselves against an attack from the Amalekite army. And so here's Moses, once again, in the desert, but this time he is not by himself, not at all by himself. He is leading a group of people that most experts say is two and a half million. Now let's pause for a moment. Let's pause for a second. I want you to think about the problems that might arise if you or if I were leading two and a half million people in a desert and we didn't bring food. That's a bad picnic, right? I mean, that's bad, that's bad planning. Like they are completely and utterly relying on God to provide every, every movement, every place that they go. The food that they eat, the water they drink, they're relying on God. And Moses is their leader. And he is incredibly ill-equipped naturally to be the leader. He's naturally ill-equipped to be the leader. And we're going to see that right here in this story of of Jethro and what he does in Moses' life. You're going to see how incredibly ill-equipped. But God called him. This was God's man. This was God's man. And I'm sure that people complained all the time. I mean, we can't, give in, we can't even go on an airline flight without people complaining, and there's only like 20 or 30 of them, and, or maybe 100. And then this is two and a half million people. I'm sure complaints arose all the time. And that's what was happening in Exodus 18. Check it out. Verses 5 through 9. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and with his wife. He had taken Zipporah and uh, Moses' two sons away for a period of time. They came, uh, uh, he, uh, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses... I, your father-in-law, Jethro, I love how that's written. That is just great. Like, just in case there's another Jethro, your father-in-law, Jethro, okay? I love that. Uh, I am coming to, uh, to you with your wife and her two sons with her. And a lot of people would be thinking, great. I'm trying to lead two and a half million people, and my father-in-law is going to show up. This is not going to be good. It's not going to be good. He's going to tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. He's going to tell me every way that I need to correct and change. And he's going to criticize. Look at what Moses does in verse 7. He went out to meet. He went out. He initiated. He made the step. He went out to meet Jethro. And it says he bowed down and he kissed him. Both are symbols of honor. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent where they would have serious conversation. Verse 8, Moses then told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had come upon them on the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. 
And then Jethro, he rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians. So far, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking this is not a normal father-in-law, son-in-law relationship. These guys get along really well. There's a mutual respect. There's an understanding. There's a love for each other, a kindness between the two that is unusual. But it gets even better. Check out verses 10 through 12. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron, that's Moses' brother, came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. See, they were celebrating together. They were joining together, celebrating God's goodness, talking to each other about how things were going. They were having great, incredible discussion. And here's the point of this for those of you. I want you to hear this. For those of you who are the Jethro in this situation, I want you to see that the reason that Jethro could do what we're about ready to read and about ready to study is because there was a long relationship built with Moses. Listen, when we have a a loving, well-established relationship, when we have that kind of relationship with people, then we are able to confront blind spots that we may see in the other person's life. This wasn't just some kind of random person looking at Moses and just criticizing what he had done. There was a relationship that was built over time. A relationship that was built over time. I want to stop here for a second and just say that there have been times when there have been people in my life um, who were Jethro and I didn't realize it. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. But there have been times in my life, and I'm sure in the lives of people who are really close to me, where they would speak up like we're about ready to see Jethro do, and I just went, hey, chill out. (laughs) Don't try to change me. I mean, that's Gen X. I'm Gen X. That is such a Gen X thing to say. And I realized that some of these things kind of split like on these, you know, um, different uh, age groups and and that sort of thing, different generational things. My kids call me boomer all the time. I am not a boomer, man. One day they'll learn. I'm Gen X. And so Gen X, we're like, get out of our business, man. Don't tell us what to do. But for those of you who find yourself frustrated because you want to pour into someone's life who you love, my question to you is, do they know how much you care yet? Do they know that you love them? Proverbs says that if we want to teach that we have to be kind, to be kind. It was only after a long relationship, a long, well-established relationship, that Jethro could do what he's about ready to do. Check this out. Exodus 18, 13 and 14. The next day, The very next day, after they had had this great meal together, after they had talked about all the things that God had done, the next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? 
Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? And just like a good man, Moses gives an excuse. Men, we're pretty good at giving excuses, aren't we? We're pretty good at this. And he says this in verse 15 and 16. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make known to them the statutes of God and his law. There's a lot of me's and I's in that statement, right? It's usually how excuses begin with a focus on us, not the bigger picture. And so this is the dilemma. This is Moses' blind spot. This is the thing that is going to keep him and keep Israel, the whole nation, from greatness, potentially. It's this blind spot. And Jethro speaks up. He speaks up. Look at verses 17 through 23. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. He didn't mince words, did he? He didn't beat around the bush. Type A, man. What you're doing is not good. It's not good, Mo. It's not going to be good, man. He says, you and the people, you and the people. He doesn't just focus on Moses. He focuses on the whole thing. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourself out. There's the kindness from the type A. There it is right there. He's genuinely concerned about Moses and the people. You'll wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. He says, now, obey my voice. Okay, he does get a little type A right there, I admit, right? He does seriously get all up in in Moses' grill. Now, obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God will be with you. You shall represent the people. I want to come back to this verse in a moment. He says to Moses, what you're doing is not good. But he says, you shall, you will represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them known the way in which they must walk and what they must do. But this is what he says in verse 21. Moreover, look, he says, for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And in verse 22, he says, And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter, Moses, they're going to bring to you. But any small matter, they shall decide themselves. So it'll be easier for you And they will bear the burden with you. And then he paints a picture of the future. He says, if you do this, if you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. I love this story. I love this story. And I've been there a few times in my life, more than a few times in my life, where I've had someone see a blind spot, someone I know and love and trust, and I've had two different responses. There have been some times I've been like, get out of here, man. I ain't going to listen. There have been other times I listen, and I learn, and I lead. And we're going to focus on Moses in a minute, but I want you to see three things that Jethro does here. And these are great leadership principles, excellent leadership principles. 
three things that Jethro does. First and foremost, Jethro confirmed that Moses was doing the right thing. He just told him, you're doing it in the wrong way. He didn't. Let me, I want you to see what he didn't do. First of all, Jethro didn't come in and go, hey, I, I got this. Get out, get out of here. Like, you don't need to be doing this. I got this. I'm a better leader than you. He was. I'm a better strategist than you. He was. I, I command people. He, he, he probably did. He was a priest of Midian. He could have just pushed Moses out of the way, and he didn't. He didn't outsource it. He didn't go, hey, let's find like some non-Hebrews to deal with this. Let's outsource this puppy. Like when people have a problem, they can call an 800 relationship with Moses over a long period of time. What if Jethro hadn't opened his mouth in that moment and said something? What if, and I know that God is sovereign and God would have done it a different way, but what if Jethro hadn't opened his mouth and Moses hadn't listened We don't know what would have become of the nation of Israel outside of God's sovereignty. We don't know what would have come of Moses' life. We may not be talking about Moses today had it not been for Jethro. Charlton Heston may not be the big actor that he was. (laughs) Jethro. Jethro was used by God in the big story of redemption, of deliverance of God's covenant relationship with his people back then, but still continuing to today. The hidden figure was in many ways the hero, wasn't he? This one that we never hear from again. God used his kindness and his love and his admiration for his son-in-law. And he used Moses' ability to be secure in that moment to listen and learn. And then, man, Moses led. Because the rest of the story is amazing, right? Decades later, there's the nation of Israel on the banks of the Jordan River looking at the promised land that God had promised generations ago. God used this hidden figure of Jethro, and he can use you as well. Would you pray with me today? Father, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus for those who may be listening, those who may be here in this room, those who may be joining us online, whether live or later on, those who are in the backstage patio. Father, I pray that you would help us to realize where we fit in this story. There are so many who may identify with Jethro. Maybe today you are just desperate to have influence in in someone's life. You want to use your experience and your knowledge and your wisdom and the track record that you have to help someone else out. Maybe you have the desire of Jethro But up to this point, you've not been willing to have the relationship that Jethro had with Moses. Maybe what's standing in the way of you doing that great thing for God like God did with Jethro, maybe what's standing in your way is just a bit of kindness. Just a bit of grace and of love 
and viewing the relationship with the marathon in mind, not just a sprint. Or maybe you find yourself kind of in the shoes of Jethro and you think, my goodness, I've got this relationship with this person. I can have influence, but I haven't spoken up. Maybe it's time for you to speak up. Father, I pray that you would help those who are here today. And that gap is kindness and love and that long relationship with whoever that is. Or maybe it's just that they haven't opened their mouth. They haven't spoken up. Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would give them the ability to do just that. That you would give them the discernment of timing, of situation, of courage if they need courage. God, I pray that you would give them all the tools that they need to potentially change a life or maybe even change lives. And God, I pray that you would be with those who who can identify with Moses in this story. Feeling ill-equipped, having a lack of confidence, sometimes not even being able to open their mouths and speak properly. But just like Moses, they feel like you've called them to something specific. And it hasn't quite worked out yet. Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would give them the ability to listen to those around them who they trust. That they would listen to the wisdom that those closest to them and those who care for them provide. And God, I pray that you would help them to be able to learn from those things to be able to learn from the negative things that happen, the mistakes they make, the things that aren't so successful. And Father, would you give them the courage and the ability to lead and lead well wherever, wherever that may be, in whatever situation that may be. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand that our role in your kingdom's work, our role in your redemption story We may think it's small. It's not. God, I thank you for Jethro. I thank you that he opened his mouth and he provided truth and wisdom. And I thank you that Moses received it. And I thank you for the continuing story of Jethro and Moses is everywhere. And I pray that you would help us to realize our part in what you are doing. Whatever stage of life we're in, whatever generation we fall into, whatever demographic we fall into, help us to realize it and to walk in that And I pray this all in the strong and the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen.